Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Broadcasting from the SCORE Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. I am Joe Ostrowski on Early Odds. My guy Ryan Horvath filled in for me last week, so why not bring him on the show so I can talk to him and you guys uh, can check out our conversation at Ryan Horvath on Twitter. He's co-host of BetMGM tonight, weekday evenings on the BetQL network. Uh, Horvy, don't know what to think. Cubs go on a tear. They win 10 of 12. It's cool that they're in the limelight. We've got the London series going on against the hated rival St. Louis Cardinals that people keep telling me are going to come back and make some sort of a run. But, you know, as a Cubs fan, isn't just part of you thinking, oh, crap. They they stopped playing ball for two days. They're hanging out in London. It's a weird schedule with two more games. Take another day off. They travel back. Who knows how it's going to impact them? We have a sample size with football, but we have no idea what's going to happen with teams after the London trip and baseball. Like, are, are you kind of worried here that you just wish they kept with the normal schedule? Yeah, because this is a team where, you know, like to start the season, I, I didn't think they had a shot to win the Central. I did bet the – I went on the Cardinals. Um, you know, I kind of figured that the Brewers would struggle and then be sellers at the deadline, especially because they won their arbitration case against Corbin Burns, who's not having the season that he had a couple of years ago when he was the Cy Young. I still think they could be sellers at the deadline. So uh, I, I bet the Cardinals to win the Central, but I did go over on the Cubs' win total. Uh, I thought this could be an 80-81 win team. I thought that maybe that was the basement. That was, you know, kind of the floor for this team. Uh, but then they got off to a nice little start, and I had high hopes, obviously. Then we went through some struggles. Now they've all of a sudden won 10 of the last 12, I believe. They're within two games of 500. They're on an eight-and-one stretch, and they've been fun. You know, they've been relevant. They've been fun to watch. I believe they've outscored their opponents 64-25 to 25 during this stretch. They're actually hitting the baseball, which helps. They have a 366 on base percentage, you know, and the pitching staff. I mean, Marcus Stroman's been great. They have a 244 team ERA. Justin Steele's been great. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to take the ball coming up today, seven and two with a 271 ERA. Probably one of the biggest surprises in Major League Baseball. So I'm just glad that they're fun to watch again, man. But like you said, um, of course, now they have to head to England uh, for the London series. And who the heck knows what's going to happen here? 
even after this great run, they're still below 500. It kind of shows you how it was a little bit unlucky, but it tells you how poor they were playing or how much they were not hitting at least much of the season so far. Only team in the division with a positive run differential. Certainly worth pointing out. And the odds, they're neck and neck with the Reds. It's the Brewers, still your favorite in that 3-1 to one to 4-1 to one range. It's the Cincinnati Reds and the Cubs here. How about today's game, man? I know you were laughing at me when you saw what I'm playing. This total is insane. Way beyond anything we see at Coors Field. I mean, those are usually 11s, 12s. Cubs totals have been in the double digits maybe a couple times. We have to go back to earlier on in the season. But today, 14 and a half runs. It's nuts. And it's not like we have a terrible pitcher going for the Cubs. What do you think? What do you see a total of 14 and a half? Well, you see the 14 and a half and I, yeah, I think you're a little crazy. Um, but I mean, I think it's 14 and a half, like you said, for a reason. I mean, you look at the totals at cores, you look at the totals when they have those little league worlds, uh, little league series type games, whatever the heck they call those things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and the field, the dreams game, obviously, you know, the, the same type of totals. I just, I look at the pitching matchup and the total seems a little high. You have Wainwright going, I believe for the Cardinals. And I know his ERA is over five, but he's always had pretty good success against the Cubs. Um, and then you have Justin Steele taking the ball. So I, yeah. I need you to explain why you're going over on the total. All right. Last time they played at London Stadium for this series, 2019, Yankees-Red Sox. Two games just like this. In those two games, 50 runs were scored, 10 home runs were hit. Short porches, so they push back center field a little bit. It goes from... 385 to 392, Horvey. Dead center is 392. 330 down the lines, 387 in the gaps. And those had higher totals too. Those Yankees-Red Sox games had totals of 11 and a half and 15 flew over in both of those. This is what people are telling me. We know what Major League Baseball wants. They want some scoring. You know what they did to those baseballs in Mexico City? Yeah, you're oh, damn right. You're damn right. You know what they did to those baseballs. I think they're going to do the same thing here again. Juice baseballs over 14 and a half. That's my angle. You know, my angle on the game is, is actually, I'm not a big home run prop kind of guy, but like, I might take a look at some numbers today and I might take a look at some RBI props. I got a couple looks. So Jordan Walker has been on an absolute tear, which thank God I played him rookie of the year. Probably no chance there, but he's batting 400 right now with four uh, four homers and eight RBI, I believe during a 13 game hitting streak. I think he's worth a look. And then for the Cubs, Ian Happ going against Wainwright, uh, four hits in his last two games, and he hits 344, uh, 11 for 32 with four homers against Wainwright. I think he's worth a look. Probably stay Ooh. away from Dan B. Swanson. 0 for 11 in his career against Wainwright, unless you think he's due. But I like Happ, and I like Jordan Walker, uh, at least RBI props for the day. Tucker Barnhart has a couple homers against him, too, and 21 at-bats. I like that. What do you think about Goldschmidt or Arenado? I mean, a combined 7 for 18, 389 against Justin Steele. Uh, maybe take a shot with one of those guys. I, I think there's a couple different looks. I might end up joining you on the over. I yeah, think I, I, I was just going to say, as you're talking about all these home run props, I'm like, I think you agree with me. You like the over 14 and a half. Yeah, I, I think you've talked me into it. High total, but uh, I'm in. I'm in. Let's get weird. All right. Your guy, Marcus Stroman, goes tomorrow. He's been phenomenal. I don't even know that the Cubs were expecting a run like this. Chase, over his last seven starts, let's make it eight. And I know you're happy with the CLV on the Cy Young ticket, but the problem is the way these voters take these things you've got to have elite strikeout numbers unless your name is justin verlander and i don't know that the media loves stroman uh all that much especially the new york media where you have a lot of those cy young votes coming from 
I don't think he's going to win. I'd love to have that ticket. If you're saying, would you purchase a 40 to one? Sure. Absolutely. I just don't think it's going to be a winner in the end, but it's a good look, man. Was he fifth, sixth in the odds now? Yeah. I mean, you know, last I looked, I mean, he, he was all the way down to 12 to one. There was some, some plus 800, some eight, eight to one out there. It's just, I got to admit, uh, when I when I played Stroman, I mean, it was a little bit of a uh, I'm, I'm a little biased because my aunt is actually his personal chef. So he employs like half of my family. Uh, she's actually moved with him a couple of times. So she was with him when he was in Toronto. Uh, she was with him when he was in New York. He actually has a place out in Tampa. And that's where they met uh, on the beach. And uh, you know what? I'll actually give her a shout out right now because. Right now, she keeps tagging me in these Facebook posts, which, you know, like I've explained <laughs> to you before, I go on Facebook like twice a year and it's just like a photo dump. I put up pictures of my kid that way, you know, it, like I don't have to send pictures to my aunts and uncles that I don't see in Chicago now that I'm out here in D.C. Uh, but it looks like she has some favechef.com. Is Charlie Gillespie your favorite chef? And uh, you could vote for her. And it looks like uh, she would take home 25K and she'd be featured in Taste of Home Magazine, whatever that is. So she's currently in 16th place. She could use all the help. So favechef.com. And I think she's the reason for Stroman's success. Half joking yep. about that. But yeah, I agree, man. I don't think I, I, the strikeout numbers aren't there. You know, you look at the season that somebody like Zach Gallon's having. You look at the season that somebody like Spencer Strider's having. And uh, also, man, I'm a little worried maybe he gets moved at the deadline. I mean, luckily, the Cubs are winning some games. I want him to stay in Chicago. And uh, hopefully now, you know, two and a half, three and a half games out they'll look to maybe keep them here and they won't be sellers at the deadline. Maybe if anything, they'll add some, some, some pieces at the deadline. That'd be nice. Maybe a bat and another arm. Look at this. I'm, I'm going to vote for her. If I can figure out how to, how to do just that. See, she's trying to use you. You're using the score to get some votes. So hopefully we can get that home. Does she have to live with them or does she pop over once in a while, make a bunch of meals? How does that work? So she doesn't live with them, but she's pretty much over there all the time, like nonstop, uh, like vacation time. Sometimes, Spends a lot of time with them, uh, but she does have her own place in Chicago. And I know she really wants to stay in Chicago. And I know my mom oh, really yeah. wants to stay too. So, Hey, you know, Jed, uh, Ricketts, get it done. I mean, what more does this man need to do? Although I would, I gotta be honest. Like I, I was having a different conversation a couple of weeks ago. I was like, if this team's eight and a half, nine games out, uh, when we get to the deadline, yeah. you could get four to five prospects. I mean, let's be honest, man. Like, they're fun to watch right now, but this team isn't winning a World Series anytime soon. So keep building if you need to. But I want to see him stick around because the NL Central, man, nobody's running away with this division. I mean, I find it crazy that the Reds all of a sudden are going to be buyers at the deadline. I find it even crazier that the Cardinals have been this awful with all that power, with with that lineup. And I know the rotation's not great and the bullpen's not great, but I just can't believe they've struggled like this. And then I still think the Brewers are going to be sellers at the deadline because they're cheap. You know, I think that's why David Stearns, their general manager, who everybody praised the last couple of years, I think that's why he left. Uh, you know, he's probably going to take a job here with the Mets, but I don't think anybody's running away with this division. So I think you should just go all in and act like you're a big market team for once. Yeah, I'm with you. I've always thought Milwaukee was going to make some moves. Now they're starting to fall back a little bit. If yeah. we get to that deadline, old school Jerry Reinsdorf move, if they're three, four back, give them a reason. And I think they're going to sell. We know St. Louis isn't going to buy because they never buy big at the deadline. Taking a stand with the Reds or the Cubs, I think that makes complete sense if that's what you want to do with the NL, NL Central. It's not good record-wise, but it's intriguing compared to some of the other divisions, right? Yeah, because you look at some of these other divisions. Like, you know, I was lucky enough to play Tampa Bay before the season, and 
you know, I was almost getting four to one odds on them to win the division. I just didn't buy into the Yankees to do what they did last year, win over a hundred games. Didn't love their rotation. I think it's one of the more interesting markets to look at the NL Central because, yeah, nobody's going to run away with this division. I do think, you know, as crazy as it sounds, maybe the Cardinals are worth a look just because the first, you know, three decades of my life, they've done nothing but ruin my life. And we always know that they have a run in them. And again, this team just has so much talent. I, I don't know who wins this division. Um, I, would you say the Brewers are the safe play? Maybe the safe? No, just because no, I, they're going to sell off. Yeah, Craig Council is definitely the best manager in this division. I think he's a very underrated manager in the National League. He just knows how to use that bullpen. Um, but yeah, they're cheap, man. I mean, we saw it last year. Josh Hader was leading Major League Baseball in saves. I don't think he had blown a save, and they moved him, uh, traded him to the Padres. And you look at that lineup, I don't really like anybody. I mean, Christian Yelich probably having his best season the last three, four years, but that power isn't there. Um, nobody's going to run away with this division. I definitely think this is probably one of the only ones to look at right now. There's no such thing as a safe play. So the safe play is even money, and it's the team that might be selling off a bunch of pieces. Cubs or Reds, you get value, and it's going to be fun. I think they're going to be in it. So, And if the Cardinals catch you, the Cardinals catch you. I'm fine with it. I'm out on them. I mean, you bet them before the season, but you wouldn't bet them now, right? Oh, absolutely not, man. Yeah. I mean, I, Contreras has obviously struggled. It's bad when, like, the only guy in that rotation that you trust is Adam Wainwright. He's, like, 55 years old. I mean, Flaherty's... You know, he, he looks like Jack Flaherty again. He, but, I mean, you never trust him to stay healthy. And like you said, that's the problem if you do want to buy into the Cardinals. They're never big buyers at the deadline. And so I think they need a. I think they need multiple arms. I think they need a couple arms. I think they need some help in that bullpen. We'll see. I just think they have way too much talent. But, yeah, I mean, we keep expecting them to get hot, and it just hasn't happened yet this season. Early odds, Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guy Ryan Horvat with us here on this Saturday morning. We're here every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. Sports Radio 670, the score. Uh, Tuesday is the big day. That sports book that was supposed to uh, open years and years ago, adjacent to Wrigley Field, finally happens on Tuesday, Horby. Uh, have your aunt tell Stroman he's not allowed to go in. We don't need okay. a Detroit Lions situation. No. Yeah, I'll make sure that he stays out of the sports book. I, I will say this. I'm jealous. You know, I'm out here in D.C., and they kind of did the same thing at, at Nationals Park, but the sports books, you know, outside of the ballpark, uh, there's a bet MGM. It's nice, but I'm a little bit jealous, man. I mean, it's crazy to see what Wrigley Field's become. And that's why I'm yeah. saying this team needs to be buyers at the deadline. You know, when we're pumping out sports books, you got to act like a big market team. You heading out there? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Honest, it, it's cool. Listen, it's on my phone. I can go to a sports bar. Like if I'm there, will I go 100% if I'm at the game, but I'm not making a trip over there just to check out the sports book. But from what I did see, like the video clips, when the media got a sneak peek, it looks like an awesome place to watch a game and you, you don't need a ticket. I saw a bunch of people asking that you don't need a ticket to get in there. So it's going to be added to the list of cool hangouts in Wrigleyville, but no kiosks. Am I correct? Not yet. Not uh, yet. But do you need it? So what do you think? Well, what do you think the lines are going to look like? I mean, I remember obviously, you know, it's been two years since I've been at Wrigley, but I know how the bathroom lines are, and I know how the concession lines are. What do you think the lines are going to be? I mean, especially those first couple games, because obviously, like everybody could just pick up their phone and bet mobily right now. Yeah. But still, I mean, I think people are going to want to place a bet, especially if people are coming from out of town. You know, and maybe they don't want to sign up with a different account. Like we have that issue here when I go from D.C. to Maryland. It's a fair point because. My gut reaction is, what do you mean? How are the lines going to be? Everybody has sports books on their phone. They don't. A lot of people don't. And, and they only bet maybe a few times a year. They'll bet on the Super Bowl. 
bet on the Kentucky Derby. And then, oh, I'm going to the Cubs game. Let's get some action on it. Let's get a home run prop in, or I want to bet on the Cubs. I want to bet on the over, something like that. And they don't want that temptation. They don't want to put it on the phone. So I'm probably underestimating the number of people that fall into that category. And, and the lines will be pretty good. Plus, anytime there's a new spot over there, you got to check it out, right? Especially when you have it right there at Wrigley, a sports book with a massive video wall. People are going to check yeah. it out. Yeah, absolutely. It's a new attraction at Wrigley. It's just crazy, you know, because like growing up, it, it, it's just every, everything has obviously changed. What they need, my idea is you need little like kiosks on the back of the seat. And then, you know, if Ian Happ comes up to the plate, you want to bet him to Homer. Maybe you want to bet the first five over. It's you just have easy access right there from your seat. That's my idea. That that has to come soon. Yeah, it, it's all happening soon. Are there lines? Have you gone to Nationals Park and checked out the sports book there? Yeah, so they have kiosks, though. And okay. I, you know, it's crazy because I rarely see anybody actually ever at the window. I still go <laughs> to the window, uh, but everybody's at the kiosk. So there will be lines. It depends, man, because, like, you know, the Nats are obviously, that's not a very good product right now, you know, man. and they trade away Juan Soto. Unless the Mets are in town, the Phillies are in town, you know, one of the big market East Coast teams, a lot of the fans will make the trip. And then there will be lines, you know, out the door uh, for people waiting at the kiosks. And I always wonder, I'm like, what are these people betting? Why don't they just go to the window unless they're playing player props or something like that? But the kiosks, always long lines. Uh, you can always get to the window right away, though. Horvy, I buried the lead. And even mentioned the uh, the money you're getting down. Speaking of going to the betting window, you're going to the betting window on college football win totals. You love this. You're you're ahead of it, getting in on it early. I, I need to uh, do some of my homework, catch up with you on this, but. Is this accurate? You've placed 15 college football win total wagers? Yeah, 15 college football win Jeez. total wagers. I have a couple of Heisman picks as well. Heisman? Uh, oh, okay. A couple of the numbers are already gone, but the win totals, you know, that's really my favorite. And uh, yeah, people think I'm crazy, but some of these numbers are actually already gone. You know, and I'll actually give you a couple. We'll start. Um, I like an under in the Pac-12, under five and a half wins for Arizona this season. And when this opened, it was actually plus money, plus 145. Uh, I like the Pac-12 a lot this season. It's really probably going to be the last year of the Pac-12, you know, with USC going to the Big Ten. But Arizona brings back eight starters from an offense that averaged over 30 points per game, 462 yards. So I think people are excited there. But the problem is for them, they can't stop anybody. Last season, they brought back eight starters, and they still gave up 468 yards per game and 37 points per game. They haven't finished in the top half of the Pac-12 in rushing defense since 2010. They only bring back three starters from that defense last year, and their schedule is just brutal, man. I mean, the, the games that they are going to be favored in this season are all road games. Like, they're on the road against Mississippi State week two. They lost that game last year, 39-17 at home. They play Washington and USC back-to-back. -back. Both of those teams, I think, are live to win the Pac-12. Then they go on the road the following week to play Washington State. Off their bye, they get Oregon State. They get UCLA. They get a new look Colorado team with Dion. They get Utah, who's going to be tough this year, and Arizona State. I can't get them past five wins here. So I really like Arizona to go under their win total in the Pac-12 this year, five and a half. A team in the Big Ten I'm really high on. I think this win total is way too short. It is a little chalky right now, minus 135. I like Wisconsin year one for Luke Fickle to go over eight and a half wins. Yeah. I think they win 11 games, man. They had the talent last year. You know, they fire Paul Chris in the middle of the season, but they bring back Braylon Allen, who led the nation in rushing yards, you know, against stack boxes. He's really good after initial contact. 
They have one of the better running back rooms in the Big Ten. They upgrade at quarterback. They move on from Graham Mertz to Tanner Mordecai, who, you know, you look at last season, the Badgers passing offense was outside the top 100. Mordecai completed 65% of his passes and threw 33 touchdowns. And for Wisconsin, their toughest road games this season are Washington State, Illinois, and Minnesota. And they're going to be favored in all three of those games. They get Ohio State at home in Madison a week after Ohio State has to play Penn State, who could win the Big Ten this year. A game that they'll most likely lose, but I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild year for Ohio State without C.J. Stroud. And Luke Fickle, I mean, we know what he does. He coaches defense very well. He has eight starters coming back. And also their biggest game in the West Division against, is uh, against Iowa. And that game's at home as well at Camp Randall. So at worst, I think there's, I think their floor is 10 wins, man. Um, a couple more. I like Miami to go over seven and a half wins. It's year two for Mario Cristobal there. Tyler Van Dyke comes back. He was injured last season. They have nine starters on the offensive side of the ball coming back, 10 starters on defense. You look at their schedule. I mean, they get some cupcakes, man. Um, they get Bethune-Cookman, Temple, Georgia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina State, 18 returning starters, a potential first-round pick at quarterback. They need to win eight games this season. Uh, a couple more. I like Maryland over six and a half wins with Baby Tua coming back. I like Pitt to go over six and a half wins. That's a three-win adjustment from last season. They upgraded the quarterback position. Uh, Texas State over four and a half wins. G.J. <laughs> King takes over as head coach there, man. He was at Incarnate Word last season. Yeah. They averaged 52 points per game, 581 yards. They bring back seven starters on the offensive side of the ball. Plenty of winnable games. My favorite bet is actually Kansas to go under six and a half wins. It, it was plus 145. Everybody's going to hype up Kansas you know, because of what they did last season. But look at their win totals the last couple of years, one and a half, two and a half. They bring back Jalen Daniels, 10 starters on offense, but I just don't like the defense whatsoever. They bring back seven starters from a defense that gave up 35 points per game. And look at the start they had to the season last year. They started five and oh, but three of those wins were upsets where they were underdogs. And then down the stretch, when they stepped up in class, they went one and seven and, you know, barely made their first bowl game since 2009. They have a tough schedule. Illinois is going to be tough this year. BYU, Texas, Central Florida, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Cincinnati. That's brutal. Uh, I like Buffalo under seven wins. I like Memphis over seven and a half wins this year. My two favorites, uh, Florida Atlantic over seven wins, minus 115. There's some seven and a halves right now. Uh, Tom Herman's the head coach. I didn't think he was terrible at Texas. They bring back 18 returning starters. That's a team that was a few plays last season away from being bowl eligible. Eight starters back on offense, and they hit the transfer portal. They bring in Casey Thompson, who last season was the quarterback for Nebraska. Before that, he spent three years with Tom Herman at Texas. Ten starters back on defense, and they have the easiest schedule in the AAC. They play all the bottom teams from the conference. They avoid SMU and Memphis, and they get UTSA and Tulane at home. I think Tom Herman has them in the AAC title game year one. And then one more I'll give out is uh, UTEP, over five wins. This is way too short. It's minus 120 right now. This is my favorite bet of the college football season because I think they actually win Conference USA, which is 12 to one right now. They bring back wow. their quarterback, Gavin Hardison, their top running back, their top wide receiver, seven starters from a pretty good defense. They have the best offensive line in Conference USA. They probably have the second best defensive line. And last season they went five and seven but they had a bunch of terrible turnover luck. They outgained opponents by 50 yards in every single conference game, at least. And they got a favorable schedule. They only play one conference USA opponent on the road this season that had a winning FBS record and they get Western Kentucky at home. So really like uh, UTEP over five wins this season. And I love Florida Atlantic over seven wins. I think they win 10 games this year. 
You are sick, dude. You're not going to get UTEP win total, Texas State Bobcats win totals on any other sports betting show. Oh, dude, I love the passion. Are you going to add to the 15, or do you think you're set now? You didn't mention right, Notre so, Dame. You didn't mention so, the Irish. Well, I have a couple personal, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to come on here and give up Florida State over nine and a half wins, but I love Florida State over nine and a half wins. There's 17 <laughs> starters back from the only team to lead their conference in total offense and defense. I'm also going to play Clemson over nine and a half wins. I think they meet in the title game. 15 returning starters. They haven't been to the playoff in a couple of years. Cade Klubnick is a five-star quarterback. Yep. Uh, their two toughest games of the season are at home against Notre Dame and Florida State. So personally, man, I want to play Notre Dame over eight and a half wins. It opened at nine, took some sharp money, obviously, to the under. You know, even the, the smart people I know, even the Irish fans, they're fading Notre Dame this season. I love Sam Hartman. You know, you look what he did at Wake Forest. He's going to be play behind his best offensive line. He's only six foot tall. He's actually going to get to throw from a clean pocket. But that schedule is brutal, man. Like Brian Kelly, like look at his schedule the first couple seasons while he was getting that program turned around. Marcus Freeman, I mean, it's USC this year. Uh, they get Clemson this year. The schedule is a little bit too tough. I think eight and four is a good season for Notre Dame this year. So the win total seems about right. I may make a small personal play on them over eight and a half wins. All right, Ryan Horvat, bet MGM tonight. I better stop him now because he'll just want to talk about college football for the rest of the hour. Horvy, good stuff, man. If uh, any of you missed it, go to the Odyssey app. Check it out. You can use the rewind feature if you missed some of those bets, or we'll have the early odds podcast uh, coming up a little bit later on today. So go ahead, subscribe, and uh, subscribe to uh, Horvy's show as well. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat. Horvy, next time uh, we're going to go over a lot of football wagers, including the NFC North, all right? Yeah, sorry for going so fast right there, but I wanted to get all those in for the people. You know, on, yes. my, on my show, sometimes I don't have the I don't have that option, so I wanted oh. to get out in you're not, time before you hit. You're the not court. you're not allowed to talk. Trista will will give you any room or what? Well, you know, we talk a lot of NBA on our show. A lot, it was a lot of NBA draft talk last week, so I'm ready to talk some college football and some baseball now. I'm so NBA'd out. Like, Me too. okay, off season's here. I'll talk to you after football. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Yeah, we'll talk February, March. Jace, too much. All right, Harvey. Thanks, man. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for having me. You know what? Let's do some football next with Jim Miller. Haven't even talked to Jim, at least on air, since we gave out our Belmont picks and beat Jim again. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score Listener Line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The Score with you on another Saturday morning and also with you every Saturday on this show. My guy Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. You know, Jim, we were uh, we were off last week. I was at a tournament out in Bettendorf, Iowa. Lovely time there. It was It was great to see the kids bond. I know you had a tournament last week yep. with your 16U team as well, and uh, it's quite delayed, but you know, is it too late? I mean, do, do we even bother with the victory lap, hitting the triple crown, three for three? Do we do uh, that? You, 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 you <laughs> should be taking victory laps for another 51 weeks or so. I mean, at least, hey, at, at least 45 weeks until next year's derby comes. I'm yeah, how about Archangelo? How cool was that? Uh, Jenna Antonucci, first female trainer to train a triple crown race winner. So that was very cool to see. The horse ran a great race, got a dream trip. And how about the price, Joe? Eight to one on the horse. So it, it was really cool to see. And what it has done, 
has basically shown that the three-year-old division for thoroughbred racing is wide open right now. And that's good because when we get to the horses a little bit later on the sequence, there's a horse that we know very well that we talked about that could make his mark in races this week. But I'll tell you, it was a fun triple crown season for the fact that not only were you picking winners left and right, but there were some prices in the races too. That's the part in the Belmont that made it so sweet. Not only hitting each leg, but the fact that going with the fifth favorite on the board, like I was definitely tempted to go higher on the board thinking it was safer, but we know that's not how it works. Not in this racket, certainly. Yeah, people have been asking me like, oh, there's no secret sauce or anything. It's the same old handicapping that we've been talking about on this show for years. You take a close look at the preps races and you handicap each race individually. But honestly, Jim, it's just it fell my way and I didn't change my betting style at all. I'm never going to take the favorite and none of the favorites won. Uh, whether you're talking about Mage at 15 to 1, National Treasure, we thought that was ridiculous. The Baffert horse was yep. like third on the board. And then Archangelo just happened to, to run at Belmont Park, did great in the Peter Pan stakes, winning that. Y you look at each race individually, and it fell my way. And it was the horses that had value, the ones, those sorts of numbers I typically end up betting on. And the thing about the Triple Crown season now, especially in preparation for the Derby, is because you have to try to earn points to get into the Derby, it makes it so much harder because some horses have to race in two or three or maybe even four prep races just to get into the Derby into the gate. So to try to think that you're going to come out of that race, we saw only one horse come out of the Derby into the Preakness, and then you started to see a handful of horses come back for the Belmont, but it's just that hard. And it's that hard on racehorses, and it's that hard on racehorses when you're going that distance of ground. It's why you don't see 20 horses coming back into the Preakness every year. If you get two or three, there's a reason why. Now you have an extended three-year-old season. There's a whole lot more stakes races. And these horses kind of go their separate ways. And then you'll start to see them start to come back together, maybe for the Travers and the Haskell a little bit later on in the summer. The ultimate goal in the end is the Breeders' Cup Classic, but even then, I would expect maybe two or three horses that were in the Kentucky Derby even to run in the Breeders' Cup Classic because it's just that hard to keep a horse at top form throughout the course of an entire racing season. Summer officially here. It's already that time. We're going to start to take some way too early looks at the upcoming NFL season, right? It's not just baseball going on in all these tight division races because the divisions are pretty poor, or at least we think. What about the NFL? Here's something that I did want to throw at you. I know you've got a Bears angle and a, a couple of other NFL notes that you wanted to hit. This one jumped out to me as we see more markets opening up because I hear a lot of chatter from all these teams. Oh, yeah, we're going to run less. We know long-term it's not good for our quarterback, and it, it's tough for them to be at the top of their game, but they're constantly getting beat up in the run game. A lot of popular talk. Of that, And it's happening here in Chicago, too, with Justin Fields, right? But when it comes down to it, when you need a first down on third and one, and it's something that's successful time and time again, we know what these coaches are going to do. They're not thinking about five to ten years from now. So I think it's so funny that the Bears are having that talk. They're talking about it in Baltimore after paying Lamar Jackson. Oh, we're going to pass more with our new offensive coordinator. They're talking about it in Philadelphia, even with Jalen Hurts after he missed those final few games due to injury, but he was as good as anyone running the football. Most regular season quarterback, total rushing yards. Justin Fields, 
is the plus 170 favorite. And a lot of these other names that are saying they're not going to run as much. Lamar, the second favorite. Hurts, the third favorite. The rookie, Anthony Richardson, in the top four. I just found it amusing to note that all of these teams are saying they're not going to run the ball much. But when it comes down to the odds, most rushing yards by a quarterback, they're all there. And the thing is, when they say they're not going to run that much, what they're going to find out is it's going to come down to, do you want to keep your job or not? Because if you have a quarterback that can run, you better utilize him to run a little bit, or these guys don't have to worry about thinking five, 10 years down the line because they're not going to be employed either. So that's the thing. I mean, it's just been recent years, Joe, where it's, it's been the year, it's kind of been the recent era of the RPO. Roll out that quarterback, give them the option to run, to pass, to do whatever. So even a guy like Justin Fields, you know he's going to do that, say, six, seven times a game. Maybe he dishes off the ball three times. He may tuck the ball under his arm the other four times, and he's got the ability to break even one of those runs for a big gain. But all the other runs can turn into those five, 10-yard go down, go down field and then maybe run out right after the first down marker. So these guys are still going to run the ball. It's the reason they were drafted. It's the reason they were drafted so high. It's not because they're a pocket passer. It's because they have the ability to utilize their legs. So you still have to look at that when you come into everything that they may say one thing, but you know it's really going to turn out another way once they step foot on the field for week one. No doubt. Okay, what Bears angle were you taking an early look at? So there's three Bears plays that I want to look at. The first one just kind of goes back to the way things have changed for the odds for that Bears total. The number is basically stuck at seven and a half the whole time. Mm-hmm. The total, though, for the over, though, it was at one point, it was right around, say, minus 135, 140. I looked this morning, it was back down in that minus 110 to 115 mark. Now, the Bears' schedule hasn't changed. They've still had themselves a good draft. I think they've still picked up some pretty good offseason moves. And they're in a division that I don't think is really that good. I mean, you have Detroit players going out left and right right now in a gambling probe. I think the Packers are a team that could contend for the worst record in the league. And the Vikings, you know, are not winning 13 games again this year. So I think the over on the Bears is something to look at. And then to go one step further, the Bears to win the division are the longest price in the division at plus 420. That surprises me, too. I think that they're actually no worse than second this year in the division. You want to talk about a log jam. Let's say these win totals at your reference. Eight and a half. There are six teams there. Seven and a half, where the Bears reside, along with the Broncos, Packers, Panthers, and Giants. So we got five teams there at seven and a half. Then six and a half. There's five more teams. Five and a half. There's three teams. So very little separate these teams. I'm sure it's surprising to some that you see that Panthers number at seven and a half and Bears fans hoping they have an awful season because the Bears own that first round draft pick. Well, the numbers aren't saying that. The numbers are saying, hey, look, Carolina's in a terrible division and chances are they're going to be somewhere near the middle. Oh, Bears had the worst record, but look at all these upgrades. Look at the changes in the schedule. Look Look at a division that is much worse, as you mentioned, without Aaron Rodgers. That popped to me as well. Why such a move inside the NFC North? I'm not getting that, man. Why? It was the Packers as a long shot, and now it's the Bears. The Bears were just hanging around second, like right there with the Vikings. And I understand why the Vikings are the second favorite. Look at their record. What were they, 13 and four last season? Why they're second there? The Lions' love is over the top, per usual. Uh, ever since Dan Campbell's been there. I just don't agree with the way these numbers 
are set up for the division. And and I understand your point. Why are the Bears sliding back? Maybe it's just people buying into the Packers a little bit, which I could understand, I guess. But uh, I also found that confusing. Okay, how would you order this? If you're setting odds, forget about actual odds, just one through four, which team should be the favorite? Let's start there. I think Detroit's still probably the best team in the division. Okay. I would have Detroit as a favorite. I would have the Bears probably second. I don't think Minnesota. I think Minnesota is kind of selling off a little bit from what we've seen. And that's a team that, man, they won a whole lot of one-score games last year. So I would put the Bears second, Vikings third, and Packers fourth. Yeah, people are going to be fading the Vikings. But I was expecting them to be the favorite in the division, but it's just too much love for the Lions. They're buying it to Jared Goff. Okay, Jared Goff's the favorite in the division. I would bet against that. So I'm trying to figure out which way do we want to bet against that. I don't want to bet on the Vikings. I don't want to bet on the Lions. So that leaves us, Jim, with the Bears and the Packers. Uh, Could you see them being one-two? Sure. Anybody can be one-two in this division in the NFL. I I mean, they're all bunched. Anybody can be one-two. But I'm telling you, I don't know what the Packers are going to show us. Do they really have the weapons? They don't have the quarterback. They don't have Devontae anymore. It's just one of those things where everybody said, oh, well, it's the Packers. Well, you know what? Remember the Brett Hundley years? I mean, it's one of those things where if it's not Rodgers or Favre on the field, you are not a great team up there in Green Bay. So that's one of the things that makes me wonder. I mean, it's just love off tradition more than anything. I just don't see it with them. So we'll see what ends up happening uh, during training camp. But at the moment, if you look at their wide receiver depth chart, they have six rookies. Six rookies, along with Christian Watson, who was fantastic in his rookie season. Now, if Dave Bakhtiari can stay healthy, the offensive line will be in much better shakes. Um, They also have a couple of rookies at tight end. It's just a crapshoot. With everything. Yep. Oh, by and the way, a quarterback that's inexperienced. Oh, and, and in addition to that, the backup quarterback is a rookie in Sean Clifford. Yeah. So I understand why there are some concerns, and they lost some players on defense. I think they'll be okay. They should improve. Uh, Jair Alexander needs to stay healthy all season. That's always a challenge for them. But right, it's like you want to cross every team off in the division. So take a shot somewhere. I would look further down the board. All right. What else, uh, NFL wise, is on your mind? All right, so there's two player props that kind of jumped out. Again, it's really early in the year, but these are numbers that you may want to get to now. Now, the first one is just an over-under number on receiving yards. Garrett Wilson, that number right now is 1,125 and a half yards for his over-under for receiving. Now, last year as a rookie, remember who was throwing to him? He still had 1,100 receiving yards last year. Now he has a capable quarterback. I'm thinking he's looking in the 13 to 1400 yard range. And that number is 1,125. I think to me, that's an automatic over that's 66 yards a game, Joe. It was Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike white. And week to week, you didn't know which one it was going to be. They go one in seven after the bye last year. And their only win was against our bears, a team that was trying to lose. That was their only win of the entire second half of the season. So you want to talk about an incredible upgrade. People are having a tough time trying to handicap how much of an upgrade Rodgers is to that combination of Flacco, Wilson, and White. So Aaron Rodgers is bringing in all his dudes, bringing in Lazard, 
You know, he's bringing in a Randall Cobb. They add me Cole Hardman, who's been pretty good at some spots. Uh, a lot of changes there. What I do think is noteworthy also, Jim, is that uh, they're going to have a rookie center. And yep. that is the second most important position on offense. So keep a close eye on that. When is Brees Hall going to return? Is he going to look 100% like uh, pre-injury last year when he was a rookie and it was looking like he was going to be the offensive rookie of the year? Overall, though, nine and a half. Man, I, I do like this team. Now, they have a tough start to the schedule, but can they go 10 and 7? Yeah. Even in a tough division, they can absolutely go 10 and 7. I'm not one of these people that are buying, oh, Jets to the Super Bowl. But they're going to be really good. I expect them to be in the playoffs. So Garrett Wilson, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is going to be reminded what it's like to have a, a number one receiver after Devontae went to the Raiders. And he's going to keep on feeding Wilson if Wilson does that with some terrible quarterbacks. Yeah. Here's the other one to look at, all right? Yeah. And this is one that's a little bit more value. In the rushing leader props, okay. all right? Right now, Jonathan Taylor is your favorite with Nick Chubb. They're both at plus 750. Look a little bit further down the board. Seventh overall is Tony Pollard. Now, Tony Pollard last year ran for 1,000 yards. All right, Zeke ran for another nearly 900 yards. Well, there's no Zeke anymore. Nope. Tony Pollard's going to be the guy. And if you remember last year, Josh Jacobs led the NFL with 1,653 yards. Then it was another... 120 yards back to Derrick Henry in second. Tony Pollard has that ability to break some runs. This is a team that I think is going to be a little bit better, and he's now the guy. He's not splitting anything anymore. He's going to be probably the 75-80% carry guy there. I think he can contend, and that number sitting at 16-1, to 1, Joe, I think that's worth a look, too. Uh, that's a good look. So the question is, is Pollard better in spurts when he gets some time to to rest a little bit and then he comes in as a change of pace back, or is he going to be able to withstand the beating of a full NFL season and being the guy that gets, like you said, the 75 to 80% of the snaps, he's put in a great position to succeed. So that's going to be interesting. Also McCarthy calling the plays. Is yep. he going to lean on the run game a little bit? Or is he going to want to use Dak more in the passing game and go into Gallup and they bring in Brandon Cooks and, of course, CeeDee Lamb as their overall number one uh, receiver? That's an interesting look. I do like it as far as the value and the spot that he's in. A, a Tony Pollard put in a position to succeed. I don't think it's going to be where, okay, now Malik Davis or the rookie Deuce Vaughn is going to step in and take over the no. Pollard role because Pollard was nope. getting a significant number of touches. Yeah, he's, he was a 190-carry guy last year. But think wow. about it. He was 1,000 yards with 190 carries, all right? Josh Jacobs had 150 more carries than Tony Pollard last year for 600 more yards. Just talk about wear and tear. Look at the guys at the top of the league last year. Josh Jacobs, 340. Derrick Henry, 349. Nick Chubb, 302. Tony Pollard, 190 last year. This yeah. guy has some good games left in him. He might have two or three more really explosive seasons ahead of him here, too. Yeah, the the offensive line is not as strong as it was a few years ago, but it's still pretty darn good. Certainly not something that's going to hurt the team. I know you guys have the Hawthorne Derby tomorrow. What are you looking at with the races today? And go ahead and uh, tell the people about what events will be happening tomorrow. Well, we have 
another derby that's taking place today. So here's our three horses. First of all, we're betting Thistle down in Ohio. And I'll explain why in a second. Race number 10 at Thistle, we're betting the six, Relish the Ride across the board. Race 11 at Thistle, we're betting the eight, Interstate Daydream across the board. And then race 12 at Thistle down on Saturday is the $500,000 Ohio Derby. It's the return of two fills, the horse that finished second in the Derby, that's stabled here at Hawthorne. He's been training great. I like the spot they picked out. Go out there, win a half-million-dollar race, and then point forward. So we're going to bet him across the board. But he should be getting himself set up for a really good summer campaign. And then Sunday at Hawthorne, Hawthorne Derby's taking place on the turf. Looks like the weather's going to hold out. Should be a great day of racing, a lot of big fields. So there is. There's a lot of great racing action all weekend long and definitely worth checking it out. Uh, one more thing, Jim. Call it on the last Saturday of June. Which team is going to win the NL Central? The Cubs. Oh! <laughs> and here's the reason yeah. why. I've said it the whole time, Joe, and we'll, we'll leave everybody on this nugget. Uh-huh. I think the Brewers are going to be in contention at the All-Star break, but they have to sell off if they want to get anything for some of these guys that they're not going to be able to re-sign. The Reds, they're still not even the second choice to win the division. The Cubs have been playing sneaky good baseball and are continuing to get healthy and they're about three and a half to one to win the division right now i think the cubs are going to win that division yeah you aren't wrong i mean stroman gonna keep this up the rest of the pitching and defense oh, last seven outings awesome old school way of winning baseball games uh gotta love it all right jim miller hawthorne race course thank you jim talk again next weekend all right you got it joe good luck and good luck to the cubs in the london series which you can hear today and tomorrow morning Right here on 670, the score. Still blown away by this total in today's game. It's coming down. It's still 13 and a half, 14. Juice baseballs? Huh? Maybe? Short outfield porches? Might have to go over. 50 runs in two games. Last time MLB went to London. Just saying. Uh, But before we get to the Cubs and Cardinals, inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Hawk. Catch me weekdays 8 to 11 a.m., on the BetQL network via the Odyssey app, BetQL's Twitch and YouTube pages, 105.9 FM HD2, and there's always the BetQL Daily Podcast. Cash those tickets and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 